For too many years, families of children with devastating illnesses have felt helpless as they watched their child suffer. Today, they're taking matters into their own hands and finally finding relief, treating their child with cannabis. These are their stories. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Hello, hello, hello. I hope everyone's out there <laughs> healthy and safe and yes. doing well. Um, despite all those things that are going around you, you know, just hang in there and just keep moving. Yeah. So, you know what? We're a little lonely in this episode. Uh, why lonely? We don't have a guest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been a while since it's just been me and you and I, me and you. You and me. <laughs> yeah, it has been. But I've been enjoying our guests. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. That's why I said I'm a little lonely. Yeah. Because we had some fantastic guests on our show, and it's been so much fun, too. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to um, doing some more guests because mm-hmm. we do have some great lineups. Juicy. Yeah, I, I think more or less it will impact families in a way because things that I haven't heard yet, I've been talking to people about that we're going to talk about in the near future, and it's going to be huge. In fact, I'm working on a series yes. on certain topics that I, I think people will want, especially parents and those who are, you know, Dealing with a child, like we, you know, basically what we are about, you know, dealing with trauma, thinking about the future and all those things that affected, you know, not just the cannabis, not just CBD, not just, you know, doctors, everything around it, uh, you know, that impacts the child's life and that person's life as they, you know, go further into the mm-hmm. future. So the uncertainties are there, but we're trying to give, you know, answers, you know, we're trying to help them find those answers. So we're looking forward to it. So people stay tuned in. Um, as you guys know, November was basically um, Epilepsy Awareness Month, and it was that's something dear to us because for us, epilepsy awareness is every day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's every day. Every it's not, day. It's not every just a month. Day. Yeah, it's our livelihood, pretty much in the sense of we wake up, have lunch, go to sleep, everything, the routine of dealing with a child that has epilepsy. But we had a great month, though, to say the least. That you know, we figured some things out about Aiden. Uh, we've noticed some changes in him besides his growth. This kid in a year went from 30 pounds. Well, uh, he was okay, so he was 49, 48 pounds pre COVID. Pre COVID, pre COVID, yeah, pre COVID. He was, he was so like 2019, yeah, yeah, so he was like. Like a little, little shy of 50 pounds. Actually, he was about 42. You are correct. He was 42 pounds. I remember that. He was like 40, 48, 49. Like shy of 50. Yeah. yeah. Was, I remember. That, I, yeah. And then on. so now he's a whopping 70 pounds. Jesus. So it was like 20 pounds of COVID weight. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I don't even think that's COVID. I, it's all burgers. <laughs> Everything we've been feeding this kid. I, I think... For us, the reason why he wasn't that, um, it took a while to get up to that way was because we were really conscious about what he was eating. Very, very conscious. So let me just explain. So we were basically doing mainly plant-based with Aiden, you know, because that's the way to go. You know, we we eat vegetables, fruit, health vegetables, and we, no junk. It was a lot of vegetables. He never even drank juice. It was soda. Yeah, he hates Nothing. It was just water. And I guess we thought we were doing the right thing, you know, dude? Like any parent. Like, like any parent, yeah. right? But, yeah, he's yeah. doing so much better. We're doing actually the exact opposite. Yeah, and it's been working. And it's been working. So it's more 
carbohydrates and protein. Yeah, we're trying to balance it out, you know, trying to, you know, get the colorful plate going. Uh, but he still gravitates to vegetables first. That's the first thing he gets off his plate. Yeah. And he, I've never seen a kid smile eating salad. Yeah, he loves his green. Anything green he loves because that's what he grew up from a baby. Yes, true. His first um, food that we gave him was peas. And, you know, I breastfed a lot and I ate a lot of greens. So he has a, he has a natural palate for veggies, yeah. which is great. But the veggies weren't really doing it for him in terms yeah. of his growth. Yeah. And his um, development and his seizure control, right? Yes, yes. So that's very important is the fact that his seizure control has gotten much, much better. But we we also were monitoring his glucose levels. We were watching, you know, really monitoring his sleep, how much hours he's getting of sleep, also exercise. So we were trying to encompass all these things. So you could imagine working and Dealing with the lockdown and dealing with all these other things and trying to normalize his pretty much his childhood right now. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen uh, some great strides. Uh, the seizure activities are not as much, despite the few twitches and jerks that he will have, these little, you know, these little effects, but nothing in comparison to what he's had before in the past. And to see how far we've come with it has just been amazing. It's been and amazing. His growth. I took him to see the um, neurologist. She hasn't seen him in like, like almost a year. Mm-hmm. And she, she used to pick him up. <laughs> this time around, she's like, no, I'm not picking him up. He's just so big and like so solid. He could play football right about now. Yeah, she was just amazed, you know, because most of the kids who have epilepsy or have chronic illness sometimes are like really frail. Yeah. And he was. Yeah, he was. He was while. really frail for a while. Yeah. I think so, when we get our website up, we're going to post some before and, and after. after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think people understand yeah. the, the changes. The changes. Up. And the thing is, and we have to celebrate this year, even though it's, some other things have been hard for us in, for 2020, like everyone else. Yeah. But he does not need to wear a helmet. That's that's the big step. The fear. The fear of him falling and hitting his head and watching it has oh. been like... I think we went through three helmets. Yeah, and they were they would crack. Yeah, they were cracked, and half the sh- the covering would come off. It's it's traumatizing to say the least to witness that, and it's like there's nothing you can do about it. But you're constantly, as a parent, you're constantly on edge because you're like, oh yeah, my god, it's horrible. So I was scared when we got him the scooter. I was really nervous. So like constantly, you know, you, you would tell me, oh, he fell, he fell, you know, he had a seizure, he fell down, um, but he's okay. His knees were completely bruised up all the time. But um, fast forward, he's gotten to the point where if he has a slight jerk or twitch, he's able to catch himself. He doesn't drop to the he floor. That, that's the best part. He doesn't hit the floor. And he's like, I'm good. And just goes right back to what he's doing. And that sense of relief. Oh, my God. That calmness that comes over you like, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to stress on the idea that he might fall. I got to stay right on top of him. I can't let, like, perfect example. Today, we live on a floor floor walk up. There's 52 steps. I've never, we've never, ever let him walk down the stairs by himself. Mind you, he's seven. He's about to turn eight. If you live in the city, you are walking stairs by yourself at five, really pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know, nobody's going to be really carrying you too much. So he walked down the stairs by himself. I found him at the bottom of the steps, sitting and waiting for me. I was like, my God. And I didn't have to stress the idea that he might fall down the stairs. 
it's it's something that most parents will take for granted and that we're cherishing. It's crazy. It is. <laughs> it really is. I mean, certain things like I've heard parents say, you know, I just want my child to smile. I just want my child to be able to say hi, mommy and daddy. We understand that. But for other parents who don't have to deal with that, it's like, really? That seems normal. But it's not for our world. It's not. And think about it as a child. I'm really trying to figure out, like, what his future going to be like. Like, what's his childhood? One, it's up to us what his child is going to be like. But secondly, like, is anything that he's going through going to affect him long term? Yeah, I do think about that. Yeah. Because we're trying to normalize his childhood, take him to parks, take him to places to play, meet other kids to play with, you know, do all those things that you do with a child, and things that I did not experience as a child. Nice. So as a father, I'm trying to, you know, give him the things that I did not experience. So I'm not going to give him material things because I don't have it. (laughs) So he's not going to expect all these uh, gifts and everything. But the time I spend with him, the things I teach him, that's what I want him to have because I feel that that's going to help him long-term, especially what he's going through. Yeah, exactly. So we, people may think we're crazy, but we we try to give him as much of a normal childhood. So we, you know, they're like, oh, you take him swimming? Yeah. Yeah. We take him swimming. He loves it. We love him so, oh, do you guys take him to the park? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we had moments where we were scared. Oh, yes. You know, is he going to drop from the, you know, monkey bar or whatever, but... We did. We took him. You know, we we bought him a scooter. Even some parents may not. Yeah. We let him play. You know, sports. Like we let him do. Hell, he played baseball. He was having seizures. Yeah. <laughs> so we really try to give him the best childhood. We, you know, we can. We feel that he he deserves and he should have. You know, despite his limitations. And I mean, I can't even say his limitations. I just think it's just bumps that he needs to overcome. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to teach him that. Because in the, when he gets older, you know, no one's going to give you a pass all the time for things. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to overcome. And plus, I don't want his, um, I want to say temporary disability, be his crutch. Exactly. So the thing is, though, now I was reading an article. A lot of teenagers and adults who have epilepsy, they have a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people sometimes get epilepsy later on in life. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a difference between those who get epilepsy later on in life or, or people like Aiden, who not so much Aiden wasn't born with it, but he started at two. So let's just say. So, yeah, two and a half. So he, all he knows is basically seizures. seizures, right? Yeah. And is it more traumatizing to kind of be born with it and or have get- it all your own life or get it on later on in life? Oh, good point. Good point. Do you have more anxiety when think, you get it on later on in life? Well, here's the thing. Is I'm thinking that there's parts to that mm-hmm. that play a role. Like him getting it early, he's probably conditioned and knows it and understands it because he's grown with it. Yeah. Now, the other part of it is you get older, it's not as easy to get used to because you've always lived a certain way. You've always done things a certain way. Now you're being limited to doing those things. Now those things are being, mm-hmm. you know, shortened or those things are being disrupted. You know, you can't just go outside and walk to the park. Now you find yourself laying out on the street because you had a seizure. Mm-hmm. You're waking up with bumps and bruises. You're, you know, all these things. With Starting as a child, you learn ways to adapt to it. 
Yeah. Because I again, like I um we've seen Aiden deal with times where he would just fall forward, it was false. Now I see him being able to catch it and he just sit there for a moment for a moment motionless and then tells us what's wrong, Aiden? I just had a seizure. Oh, oh, okay. Didn't catch that. But but the fact is that he's catching it. So I think he's learned to work with what he has. Yeah. And it's funny, sometimes I do get sad, like I'm like, is he is this like gonna be like a PS PTSD thing for him? Is he is is this gonna be like you know, is he traumatizing, traumatizing for him? That's gonna carry on into adulthood. Like I don't know. Well, interesting thing. I just read a medical report that stated that the number of kids, teenagers, that like basically from the ages of ten and up, ten to eighteen, are now they're noticing a high number of rate of you know considering of suicide or committing suicide who have epilepsy. Yeah. So to go back to the part of saying, well, if if they're born with it. Or do they catch it later? Now, the other part is that some of the medications, too, mm-hmm. can cause suicidal thoughts. Yes, yes. So you have to figure, well, do the kids want to commit suicides because they can't cope with having these seizures and it's disrupting their their lives? Mm-hmm. Or is it that the medication that they possibly on is triggering those thoughts? Yeah, and, and causing them to want to commit. So I you don't, mean, you don't know. It also it could be the side effects of the medication that they just feel like they can't live like this. Yes, the, the you know the endless number of pills they got to take. Yeah, or the uh, memory issues, the brain fog. Yeah, so it's a combination. It's a and combination. then also because you think about it, if you're a teenager, you're trying to enjoy your life before you head off to college, and you can't do everything else that everyone else is doing. Yeah, exactly. And then your friends have to witness it possibly of you having mm-hmm. this. So going on that traumatizing or PTSD, the parents, the family members who witnessed, you know, family members having these grandmas or these types of seizures, how does that affect them? Because you think about it, should the whole family be getting therapy to deal with it? Because that's not easy to witness. No, it's, it's not. like violence. Like you waking up and you know when you grow up with violence, it's trauma. It affects you at some point in your life. I mean, I just recently realized that I definitely have um, PTSD, and I think I've said this on many episodes of um, you know our show. It's just the witnessing um, of him having all these seizures has really gotten to me. You know, and sometimes like I think I did mention this, like I get flashbacks. Yeah, like little waves of images. Yeah, and um, you know it's rough. It's rough, and I think like I think we mentioned this that most parents have that. Yeah, but are they willing to admit it, or do they even recognize it? They probably don't recognize it because when you think of PTSD, you think of someone in who's a vet, right, or someone who's been raped or assaulted. You don't think of something that your child is going through. Yeah, that's gonna give you PTSD. Yeah, I I mean. I would have to admit to it that I probably suffered too because I remember there was one time where Aiden, I was giving a bath. I mentioned this. I was giving a bath. I turned my head for a second. He's having a seizure in the tub and his head goes under the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I, I just like a split second, I jump up and just grab him and pull him out. I'm like, yeah. or just he, seeing him fall in front of you face Ugh. first. And it's like, oh my God. In, the, in what I recall when those things happen is the sounds that he would Oof. make. Like, 
him gargling water or him hitting the it's ground is that thud sound. Oof. And that echoes every time. So every time I see him run through the hall, walk down the hall, I'm just like, I have that flashback of that sound. It's like, thump. And you're like, what was that? Because it's, it's the sound that you make when you have your body just like let go. It's like this smack and a thud. And I would have to say I probably am experiencing some type of PTSD. Oh. But I've been trying to block it out. There were moments where I just shake my head and I'm like, stop thinking about it. Stop. It's over. Stop. You know, I got to convince myself it's like it's, it's over. You know, you can move on. I'm like, okay, yeah. So those moments when I get to see him being active, he's not falling, I feel great. But, you know, when he hits the ground, like he throws himself to the ground playing, you know, you still have, <laughs> you're like, oh, sh- oh my God, okay. It's not, a, it's not a seizure. It's just, it's just him. It's just him being silly. It's him being a boy. Yeah. Grown oh up to be God. a boy. Him recognizing it. It's just amazing. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, we're kind of like traumatized from this. I mean, we are definitely suffering from some form of PTSD. And, but to admit to it is really, really something that that's not something you come from, especially my family. It's like no one's been in the military one. Secondly, it's not something you talk about. It's like taboo, even if we did. And because growing up in, as a child, I mean, I've experienced violence in and out of the home. I've seen things that, you know, I'm hoping my son will never see. You know, I just, I'm protecting him from that. But I do also understand the world can be ugly sometimes. There's things that you will be exposed to. Yeah, exactly. And- so in terms of childhood and... um Childhood traumas. Um, we were recently watching certain. Actually, you put on two shows recently that you gotta put me on to, that kind of went into that. How yeah. childhood trauma or childhood experiences could definitely trickle down until trickle down into relationships, friendships. Oh yeah, marriages. Oh yeah, work relationships. Of course, people have flashbacks from that, from that child. But, you know, what's interesting is that you could have people, let's say that you grow in a household where there was violence. You have siblings. Some become violent and others may not. Why is that? Well, it's a choice. Mm, you think so? Yeah, I, I, I think it's choice. Because, again, I came from a household where there was some, at times there was violence. You know, there was some domestic violence. Uh, I've witnessed it personally. and But it didn't, it, it affected me in a way that, I did not want to become like that man. But not to say that there were moments as I got older in my teenage years that I didn't that I started noticing that I was showing those behaviors. Mm-hmm. The aggressiveness, the pushing back, the grabbing. And I'm like, whoa, okay. I had to do like a quick check, like, hold on a second. The man I've been hating all this time, I'm starting to look like I'm becoming. You know? So I have to be like very mindful of that. Uh I had to be mindful of that, especially at an early age. So I think it, it's, a, it's a conscious decision where you wake up and you say, okay, is this what I want to be? Is this what I'm going to do? Especially as a man. You have that ability to make the difference between, know the difference between doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing. Because if you witness something like that, is that something you want to continue but you have to be conscious of that. Like, and I think yes. that's the problem. Like, yes. It's not as easy as, okay, I'm not, I don't really think it has, it's that easy. Well, well, that's my empathy. Like, you put yourself in that position, just like, 
if that was you as your mother and you're looking up mm. at this oversized man who's just, you know, just putting it on you. Is that something you want? And then also you got to put yourself in your, in a, you know, flip it as well. It's like, can I see myself doing the same thing to a person I say I love? Someone I say I care for. Is this what I want to do? Is it to make them fear me? Yeah. And intimidate them. You know, it's like, is that, you got to ask yourself, is this what's going to make me happy? Or do I want to fill the void of, you know, happiness, which, you know, as a child, that's what you're supposed to grow up with is love and happiness, the things that you expect to be surrounded by. Not the constant fear, the constant violence, you know, all that things that, you know, will make someone go mad or just commit um, crimes. But again, like I said, it, 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 after a while, it becomes a choice because you come, you get old enough to figure out, like, this is what I want in my life, and these are the things I don't want in my life. But you have to be appreciative of both. And I think you also have to be reflective of your childhood. Yes. yes. Like, it, I've been doing that, too. I've been being reflective. I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what happened, and this is why... I'm the way I am. Act the way I am. And you yeah. don't even realize that. That, you know, where the way you grew up is very, even if you think, oh, I'm not going to be like my mom, I'm not going to be like my dad, I'm not going to do, I'm, it, it, it's very hard. Well, that's interesting. But for my situation is that, you know, my stepfather was in my, I can't even say he was in my life. He was there. Mm-hmm. Let me just say there. It, he's nowhere where I am with my son. You know, the reading the stories at night, doing the homework. Um, taking the parks, but none of that happened. I'm just here, you know. Don't mind me. That that kind of guy, you know. I'm here for your mom. That's it. <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of. That's what I kind of felt on um, why his presence there and his mindset at times was, I'm not a man unless I have money in my pocket and I could take care of the, you know, take care of my family. So if he didn't do that, you didn't see him, you know. So it changed the dynamics of the household. So when he came around, it's like, oh. All hands on deck, you know, the king is here. Everybody stay quiet. Everybody, Mom took care of him first. Everything all about him first. Hmm. All about him first. Don't give me that. So <laughs> <laughs> it's an inside joke. Don't worry, folks. So that, that, was, that was the dynamics we, we were dealing with. So, But when he started, became became uh, really violent. It was, I think, he was losing some type of control. He wanted to control every aspect, and that's how I learned certain things from him because my mom was friends with some people at work. They worked together at the same job, so he didn't like that. He didn't like her having friends. She couldn't go out, really. In fact, I remember uh, there was a time where uh, she just had my sister, and she was looking to go to school because, you know, she came to this country, didn't speak the, English, the language. She started learning how to really get the language, and she wanted to go to school. He said, no, you got to stay home, take care of the kids. They need you. You know, he would use that mind game. And I'm like, we're old enough to take care of ourselves now. You know, we're in our teens. You should go to school and study. We will help you. You know, that was our idea. You know, we wanted to motivate her to go back to, you know, go back to school, you know, learn the language, you know, do something with yourself. You know, we, we are at the age we could take care of ourselves now. So you could take care of you. No, she made excuses. That was the one thing I noticed that she made excuses. And I picked up on making excuses, too, as well. There's certain things I've, I've, she's done that I've picked up and started doing. Because her and I were, are really, really close. So it's like, I got to change that. And the only way I could do that is I had to leave the home. Because I, you know, I was home for a while, dropped out of college, came back home, stayed. Then I realized, like, 
I can't do this. I, I, I can't see myself growing up in that environment doing the same thing over and over again. So I said, look, I'm going away. And I just went away to college. But I stayed, I stayed close enough, but I was still far away enough to where I can focus on me. Thinking about it, that kind of affected relationships with me because I've dated women who have been violent. I don't know if I was attracting them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I had put it out an ad somewhere. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I'm always respectful, always kind, you know, go out of my way. Then it's like when I'm saying, hey, look, I don't think this is going to work. Also, I see something different. I had one young lady pull out a knife on me. I had another one, you know, try to hit me with a car. <laughs> and I'm walking down the street. <laughs> she jumped on the sidewalk and said, do you need a ride? I'm like, uh, I guess I'll take one now. <laughs> You're on the sidewalk with the car. I guess I'll just jump in. Domestic violence is not just um, the men. The men. It, it could it's be the women, women as, well. as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I don't want to bring anything, anything close to that in a relationship, especially where I am now. As you can see, the most I would do is yell. But even then, it's like harmless. It's like a bark. It's like a dog's bark. Uh, because I've seen it. I've experienced things that you know I don't want to share because I've witnessed the darkest side of life. And I've gotten been able to you know gravitate away from that and just be like, okay, this is not the life I want. I want the other side. I want to be on the other side where you know things can be great. The things that I couldn't have when I was younger... I want to have as I'm older and share it with my family. And you know, it's so funny. It's like, I think during this uh, pandemic, you and I have gotten to see and understand um, how we were, how we were raised. Right. So um, you were able to spend time with my family and understand, Oh, this is why she does certain things. Yeah. I noticed that too. I was like, Okay, <laughs> and then spending time, sense. spending time, or hearing stories, I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it." And I think it was we were able to understand each other a little more. Yeah, because we were kind of stuck. I, you know, the funny thing is this: we survived COVID. Yeah, because I because at some point I thought that during the lockdown that we were not going to make exactly. it. exactly, and we have mentioned this before. So for me, the way my mother had revealed to you that you know I was. I was raised somewhat like princess. a princess. Yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely mind-boggling. And, you, and I'm glad that she kind of said that to you because yes. it, it was... I said, I get it now. I get it because I couldn't understand it. I'm sitting here like, what is wrong? I'm like... And I was like, I know we... I mean, urban life, you know, suburban life. You know, so we are totally opposite spectrums. Both parents, you know, someone a single parent um, type household. You had your own room. I had to share rooms. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, we have different surroundings. You know, I've seen violence. You have not. So it's like we've, we've grown up in different dynamics. And then when your mother explained to, you know, kind of mentioned, you know, how you, you know, you grew up, I'm like, I get so it. So I'm like, give me some forgiveness. Yes. It's like, the thing is, like, she, it wasn't, I don't think she was a, in certain ways, mm-hmm. I wasn't, she, she like. She was for, giving you the better life. In certain ways. But then a certain way, she was very strict. Stricter than what your parent, your mom was in yes. certain ways. Like, yeah. I couldn't have company over. We couldn't, but we had to. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't really have company over. Um, if I was, if I was like, like, she was very strict. They were like. If you were sick, like it was like get over it, go to school kind of thing. Yeah. It was like, I got more tough love than you got. 
I understand. And it was very, it was like expectations were like, okay, you got to work. You got to do certain things. Um, I think I got a little bit more tough love than you got in certain aspects. You are correct. I didn't get that touch, that much touch love. I think because, you know, boys are revered. by Oh, I see. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's not even your mom. It's all Haitian women. Yeah, it's yeah, all that's with the, the West Indian, but I think it's mostly West. I don't, you know, what? I don't know. I can't speak for other West. Yeah, but for West, for West Indians, I believe is it's the case that the boys are revered. They are definitely put on well, a pedestal. For, I definitely see that for uh, as my grandmother was like that. The yeah, boys are they, revered. Yeah, they put on a pedestal. The, the prince, they didn't have to cook. They didn't have to clean no, as much. No, um, it was until all you ab- met me. It was all about them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, I think it's like I think it's just like a cultural thing. I don't think it's, it's very cultural, yeah. But I don't think oh so I'm just trying to say in a sense that it's just not just West Indian families that you know that the boys are revered. I think it's just across the globe. I really think so. I I'm just in my opinion. I think the, a certain degree. I think, for example, like my father is African American. African American boys are not raised the same way mm-hmm. as um well, African American from the South. Yeah. Never. So we're yeah, talking from the different. South. Yeah, the from the South. South. Yeah. yeah North, the North. the the way that I can only I only can speak for Haitian, but the way the Haitian mothers revere men in general is not the same as mm-hmm. African American men. men. Yeah. 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 That, no. Not, not yeah. at all. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you know they go out there and they just you, you gotta go make it happen. You work. I'm saying for African American males is like you gotta go go do these things. As what's what's the men? Take care. I, I'm got your dinner ready. I'm gonna have everything. Yeah, set up. you know it's like <laughs> like you're not uh, you know you're not gonna find them like serving them food and they're like <laughs> 45 years old. It's just not gonna happen. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Those are I good remember days. one time your mom went and gave your brother um, served your brother eggs in his room. I said, "What? I've never seen anything like this." Yeah, I know. Going to your family, they don't serve nobody. <laughs> no, you serve yourself. I'm like. I, it took me a lot of adjusting. I'm like, mm, you're not gonna get. Me. I remember. Oh, I remember we went to an event, and um, you were like, yeah, waiting. And I'm like, oh, aren't you gonna get me some food? Like, and you looked at me like, what? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, um, where I come from, you kind of like go get me a plate or something. Like, and it might come from everybody's like one man for itself. It yeah, every man for itself. It's like bizarre to me, actually. <laughs> It was your reaction was bizarre to me. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean you look at me like that? I'm like, okay, I gotta get up and get my own food. How how does this happen? Yeah. Like, where am I? Yeah, did I marry the right one? <laughs> yeah, it's strange. Yeah, that was that was kind of weird. But uh, I would think you, the woman, get the man get the food for the woman. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that world is. <laughs> But uh, but to go back, I mean, dealing with trauma and dealing with a childhood. I mean, again, now for my for Aiden, is he gonna see a world like that? You know, what is the outlook for him and kids like him? Because the numbers are growing. Yeah, the numbers are growing. So idea, the numbers are growing. So you got to figure like, are there gonna be things in place to deal with that? You know, because um, I mean, so. we talked about like what happens when we pass on. You know, have we left enough behind for him to be able to be self sufficient, or is there somebody going to be around to take care of him? Is he going to be with someone that's going to be able to deal with it, just in case he doesn't outgrow these seizures? 
Very, very good. Tough, really sad questions. Yep. Yeah, because uh, I've spoken to a number of people, and, and a lot of them don't know. They think they know, but when, they, when you get stripped down, it was like, I really don't know. I'm afraid. Of course. Because I, I recall that we were in, uh, we went swimming about a couple of years ago. We went swimming, and I saw this elderly couple. They had to have been in their 70s. Literally in their 70s. Yeah, the son was uh, uh, intellectually disabled. Yes. Uh, I, I think he was full-blown autistic, and he was in the pool. And his behavior, and the kid, I swear, he had the body of an athlete. But he wasn't a kid. No, he wasn't a kid. He was, But he was at least 18. I think he was older than that. 18 to um, 20. 18 to 20. We'll, we'll just say around there. He's around there. But they were, they were taking care of him. They were trying to keep him calm, and I'm thinking to myself, who's going to take care of him when you guys are gone? It's like, what happens? And I'm trying to wrap in my mind, like, how are you taking care of him now? It, and it's, and it's I like, guess they're not trying to worry too much about it because they said they're having a great time. Understandable, but at some point, you do. But remember, we saw them on the outside. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. I mean, I yeah, I think if you stay in New York City, there are some type of services services in place. Yeah. But then other states don't have them, and you're mm-hmm. seeing numbers too. They're growing. Yeah, I know New Jersey has a high number of children with autism. Um, there's other states too that are just growing. It's like the numbers just keep growing, growing. And we're not just talking autism. We're also talking about um, seizure activity, epilepsy, whatever the case may be. But we're Having a number of children with these disabilities, chronic illnesses, and disabilities, yeah, and it's got to be affecting the parents. It's got to be altering relationships, absolutely, and, tra- and traumatized. Because I mean, we talked about it too, yeah, and how the divorce rate has escalated amongst um, children with uh, families with disabilities, and the financial burdens, you know, and again, childhood. You're trying to save your child's childhood. In some way or form, but at the same time, your own sanity, your own emotional, physical, and mental is just almost being drained and being pushed to the limits. Like you find yourself pushing every day, so I can see the exhaustion. You know, but then you have to ask yourself, what am I experiencing? Is it PTSD? Is it you know, like we talked about anxiety? Is it um, stress? Is or is it all the above? It's all the above. Okay, so do you, so yeah, it is all the above. So do you self medicate, or do you go get your Xanax, yeah. or do you you know? So it's like you you have options of dealing with it, but the first step is recognizing it. Yeah, yeah. Do you have time as a parent? Do you have time to recognize you're going through something? This is go go go. Yeah, you're constantly on edge. You're constantly on the go, and somehow it's affecting relationships. Somehow it's affecting other things that are going on. Maybe you're not at 100% at work, or maybe you had to leave your job. Oh, yeah. Maybe you're not, <laughs> you're not 100% there in the relationship. Oh, yeah. You know? Check, check. Yeah, so. It's a lot. It, it is. It is. And um, we're all fighting it. Just, you know, we're fighting ourselves. We're fighting this unseen thing that's around us. And we're also fighting for our child's survival, or even a, a loved one, or partners. You know, and I think about Aiden, you know, when he gets older, will he be able to date? And then will he have to disclose, I have epilepsy? Does that change anything? 
You know, in the sense that, or does he date another person who has epilepsy because they can relate? (laughs) But then they have to think about, well, can we have children? Because if it's genetic, do we want to pass it down? It's a lot. It is a lot. So as parents, you know, we think about these things, but I don't want to overthink it because then I start to stress myself out. Exactly. And and so, and I feel like I'm getting stressed from this conversation. Yeah, but it It is. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. And as a parent, you're trying to control every aspect of it. But you you really don't have control. So you know when so we are traumatized by all this. Because it's not something I mean, again, it goes back to our child. We all, you know, grew up in different households, different ways of being raised. But this is one for the both of us that we never saw coming, had no idea to prepare for it, never even known anyone personally close to us that experienced, you know, seizures or epilepsy. So I can only imagine like the parents that are out there. That are going through this. You're not alone. Yeah, you're not. You know, and uh, for from all of us, we just like pray for you guys, pray for us. And, you know, we did. We all to the, yeah, together. Exactly. And we, you know, just keeping the family together, and keeping things strong. Well, I just want to say this, yeah, guys, we're here. We we listen, um, and we definitely going to share some words of wisdom, and we're also going to try to provide as much information as possible, and connect people. Connect with people to give that support. Um, we have some things lined up. I think that's really going to be very helpful for those that are reaching out. Yeah. So I just want to say a good night. Thanks for listening in. And I uh, hope to uh, you know, look forward for uh, 2021 to be a better year. Yes. All right. Happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. Happy Kwanzaa all. Bye. Bye. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has kind of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network. Network.